Hey everybody, this is Senior Pastor Joshua B. Carson saying thank you for tuning into the CT Podcast. We hope that your time here, whether you're driving down the road or whether you're sitting at home with a journal and listening in, we hope that it's effective. Maybe it'll be inspirational, encouraging, maybe it'll be thought-provoking. Regardless of what session you're listening to, we truly pray that this is a benefit to you and to your family. God bless and enjoy the podcast. Chapter 16 of Luke, verse 14 had said, The Pharisees also who were covetous heard all these things and they derided him. They sneered. They, the Greek would translate that they actually just lifted up their nose at him. Verse 19 begins this fairly famous story about the rich man and the beggar. It says that there was a certain rich man clothed in purple and fine linen. Jesus is telling this story and saying he fared sumptuously every day. So he dressed nice and he ate well. And then in complete contrast, the very next verse, he says there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. And so you have to see the picture that is painted by Christ in this parable. It seems odd to have this name. And this is something that those who like to study Scripture have had a lot of debates over in what is being uh, taking place, rather, in this particular text. But we know we have a rich man who's dressed well and eats well, but there's a beggar named Lazarus at his gates. Desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. It's a very vile, it's graphic um, description that Christ portrays here, but it's speaking to how lowly this gentleman is. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. This this verse alone would become the thing of studies for thousands of years. The rich man also died and was buried. I remember hearing an elder many, many years ago talking about the difference between being carried and buried. In hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments, this rich man, and And seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. It's interesting. We never talk about this. And in all the times that I've heard this preached, in all of my years, I've never heard anyone address the fact he does not cry out to God. He cries out to Abraham. It's how he's seeing this and how Jesus But remember, Jesus is addressing the audience. He's addressing the Jews that are there and the way that they felt about Abraham. Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water. Even in hell, he still thinks Lazarus is his servant. That he may... Dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented 
in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. He's teaching, he's showing, he's giving this story. He's, it's been reversed. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. I would like to preach to you from verse 26 from this narrative today. There is a great gulf fixed. Fixed. Now this is a sobering text and we have been in high energy and high worship. Sometimes when we read texts like this, we can become very sober and very solemn even. To we who are believers, this is a text to celebrate. There is life in him. And there is life more abundantly in him. And if you're here today under the sound of my voice, and as we preach on through this text, you associate more with the rich man, maybe not physically or financially, but spiritually. If you associate more with the rich man than with the beggar, good news. You can hear me speaking today. You can feel the Lord tugging at you today. And you have the ability to make things right with God. That is the mercy of the Lord. Pastor, I didn't show up here to hear a heavy message. No, good news. Good news. You showed up today and we get to hear about a God full of grace and mercy that loves us so much that he would want this word preached to us on a Sunday morning. Let's pray together. Can we do that all over the house? Every hand and voice lifted if we, if we can. Father of heaven and earth, we come before you right now asking that your word would be done in this house. Let your word go forth with clarity and with wisdom. I pray you would help me to speak, O oh God, under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, but that you would touch every mind and every heart in this room. I pray that there would be great response to your word, but not just audibly through our mouths as the preaching takes place, not just through the clapping of the hands, although it is appropriate, but Lord, let there be heart and mind response to your word that we change anything necessary that we might live righteous before you. We pray it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and let everyone say amen. God bless you and you may be seated. Clara was an accountant. Paul was a mechanic. First came love. Then came marriage. But there was no baby in the baby carriage. For nine years they talked and tried and desired to have a child, but they could not. And so thankfully, they adopted a young boy whom they named Stephen Paul. 
Stephen grew up, graduated from high school, enrolled in college, but his dreams of a career right out of college were going to have to wait. There was not enough money for tuition, and so regretfully, he withdrew from college after only one semester. His father, being a mechanic, good old Paul, taught him how to work on cars. The problem was Steve wasn't very interested in cars. However, he was pretty intrigued by electronics. And his enjoyment with the electronics made him want to go with his dad to the junkyard, not to look at motors, not to look at new doors and frames. No, he, he wanted to get the electronic components out of the wrecked cars. His dad was kind enough to let them turn their garage. You'll see a picture of this garage here behind me into a place where him and some friends would end up working. There was, in fact, just seven houses down, an engineer from Hewitt Packard who heard about Steve's interest and acumen in electronics, and he invited him to be a part of this, this little club, this Hewitt Packard Explorers Club, and, and one day, Steve and the kids, they, they didn't have what they needed. They're just some young adults trying to put some things together, and so brazen as he was and knowing enough about electronics, he called the CEO of Hewitt Packard, got him on the phone somehow. That still baffles me, but he talked him into the piece that was necessary for the piece that they were creating. He ends up getting a internship at Hewitt Packard. And by the time that he turns 23 years old, young Steve Paul Jobs is worth a million dollars. In 1984, he designed the first Macintosh computer. When he died at the age of 56, his net worth totaled over $10 billion dollars. And for anybody in the room that says, I don't want money like that. <laughs> money is not evil. But the love of money. And while I am speaking about a figure that has been public and there are many apple, or apostolics in this room and iPhones and Apple MacBooks and things like that. I want to be very careful. I don't want to speak disparaging of someone who has lost his life. But I will say this, from a little boy tinkering in the junkyard to an individual worth $10 billion at his death, regardless of rich or poor, he couldn't take a dime with him. And I would remind us here today that while I think the blessings of God should be upon those who are believers and we should work hard, there, there must be something always in the mind of every believer, whether you are rich or poor, whether you're born into money or you have scraped your way and God has blessed you. And the, the money can never be the Savior. Lay not up for yourself treasures here on earth where what happens? Moth and rust doth 
but rather lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. And I want to speak at the onset of this message to every person that considers themselves a believer. If you have truth, you are rich in this life. If you know that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh, you are rich in this life. If you know that he he really was manifested in the flesh and he really did climb Calvary's cross and he really did get carried into a tomb and he really did three days later get up out of that. If you believe that he really did die for your sins so that they're not simply rolled back one more year like they did in the Old Testament, but he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. I'm just looking for believers on this Sunday morning that have found out because you know who he is and you found out that he knows who you are and, and it's more than just knows but that you were fearfully and that you were wonderfully made and, and you found out that the wages of sin were death but the gift of God was eternal life. I'm telling you, you're rich. Telling you you're rich. I'm not telling you that'll pay your car payment. I'm not saying you get to say you're a believer and bring. You still got to go to work. I don't want anybody to be able to leave this week, quit their job and say, in a month from now when the eviction notice is there, say, that preacher lied to me. It's not how it works. We still got to work. But if you've got a job in everything, give thanks. If you've got a job that you don't like, work hard until you've got a better job that you do like. Here's how I believe in this. I believe this with all my heart. I believe in this text that every good gift and every perfect cometh down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. I think whether you make $30,000 a year or $300,000 a year. If you got a job, it's because of the blessing of God in your life. Whether you're driving a 1985 or whether you're driving a 2023, it's the blessing of God in your life. Here's what I do know. Whether the cupboards are full or whether the cupboards are empty, the goodness of God is not predicated upon my it is not predicated upon my day-to-day -day, uh, uh, value in this world's social economy. When I have the Lord in my life, let me be a little bit more like Job, even if he slay me. Even if I'm not gonna live here very long, I'm gonna reach all the way to the New Testament and I'm gonna partner with James and remember, this life is but a vapor. But if I can get my soul ready for eternity, if I can make sure, whether by way of the grave or by way of the trumpet, one way or another, I'm gonna be saved. And that makes me a rich man. That makes you a rich man. That makes you a rich woman. You got to walk into church on a Sunday morning. You got clothes on your back. I'm so excited I knocked my own microphone off.
I'm going to say it again anyway. You got clothes on your back, and I don't care if they're from Goodwill or Von Mauer. You walked in here with clothes on your back. Got shoes. Your shoes don't make you. Your designer brand doesn't make you or the lack thereof. If you walked in here and they started singing about a child of God and you thought, wait a minute, that's me. That's me. That's me. Oh, that ought to fire you up a little bit. And I'm telling you, I will say this. If that don't move you, nothing should. If that doesn't excite you, nothing should. If you're more excited about promotions here than you are a promotion there. I'm just going to preach to me. You listen for a second. Josh Carson, you better keep it squarely in your cranium that from this time until eternity, there is nothing greater than no, he lives. He lives. He lives. He has done everything good in your life. Now let me, let me put, to, put to sleep a little fallacy here in, in the text. This is not Christ teaching for people to be poor. That is a twisted view of this text. He is not teaching against people being rich. He's teaching about life style. He's talking about what is held dear. And the Pharisees can't stand it. The other day we're talking about the Sadducees. They don't want anything to do with the resurrection. Now we're back to the audience of these Pharisees. And Christ is talking and they have, they've done one of the, you know when you're just utterly disgusted with, where are those people looking? <laughs> if you've ever had someone do that to you, you know that's offensive. Say something and they, they can't even get words out to you. Just, but that's the way it in, interprets what happens in this moment. And he starts talking about this rich man and this poor man. He is dressed in the nicest of clothes and he is faring sumptuously. He's got good food to eat, but there is a beggar at the gate. And the Bible says, looking even for the crumbs. And we, we see this little illustration, this, this crumbs moment. We've even got a mother that asks for crumbs. There, there's a part of this uh, uh, teaching of antiquities that even says there was, a, um, there was a time and a season when those who were wealthy, they would actually use, they, they would use bread to wipe their hands. And then they would just discard that bread to the dogs. And some theologians say, that, that Lazarus is crying out, looking for bread that hands have been wiped on. You're in a rough spot when you're laying behind Panera. <laughs> Hoping somebody will put a half-eaten But when you're hungry, you don't. I've been, in, 
I've been in countries where I've watched lines of people standing for hours in lines of things that we would discard. God, help us. Jesus is teaching the principle of entitlement and hunger. Here is the ultimate rubber meets the road truth of what Christ has to portray to the listeners whether they want to hear it or not. They both die. Rich, poor, anywhere in between. Ladies and gentlemen, if we're not around when the blast goes forward and we're caught up in the rapture of the church, everyone in this room, I'm sorry for this tragic truth, is destined to die. But the question is this, who will I be at that moment? No man knows the day. No man knows the hour. Well, wait a minute, that's to, that's to the sounding of, or when you die. They can give you six months and it can go like that. They can give you six months and it can go ten years. It's just, no, he is the holder. But it is the tragic behind the veil. Ladies and gentlemen, let us look intrinsically. Let us look with appreciation that we get a glimpse beyond the veil. That Christ would have enough love and enough, and enough care and, and enough mercy to give us a look. That there's more to this life than just this life. He said they both tied. The beggar died and he is carried to Abraham's bosom and, and we are given the understanding that it is this place, it is this, it is this place in the presence of God and the keeping of God. And I, I told you and some in here have done extensive studies and it is the thing of many, uh, uh, many of opinions about Abraham's bosom. But I will speak to you directly again based on the audience. He is speaking in the, in the earshot of the Pharisees and he knows the way that they have felt about Abraham. In fact, they, they are, I would say they are arrogant even with Christ. Based on Abraham. Let's, 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 look at, let's look at scripture. Grab your Bible. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 verse 1. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ. The son of David. The son of Abraham. That's what it says. Let's go to, let's go to John chapter 8. Let's go to John chapter 8. You want to talk about a good way to fire some people up. Jesus is going to do it. Because in verse 48, then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil? Jesus answered, I am not a devil, but I honor my father, and ye do dishonor me. I seek not my own glory. There is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily I say unto you, if a man keepeth my saying, he shall never see death. How happy did that make them? Everybody say, not very. You're all right. Then said the Jews unto him, now we know thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead, the prophets. And now say, if, if a man keep my saying, he will never taste of death. Art thou greater 
This was their stance on it. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? Jump down to verse 56. I'm telling you, if steam could have really came out of someone's ears like that cartoon we watched as a kid. Verse 56 is when it would have happened. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Everybody in the room, give me your best frustrated. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Watch this. And he saw it and was glad. That's like salt in the womb. The first statement was enough. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And they're all ready to call blasphemy. And he saw it. You didn't know Jesus was like this. He was. What? Ooh. And he didn't have to say it, but he went in and said, and was glad. <laughs> I feel like I'm giving license to some people right now. And they said to him, thou art not yet 50 years old. And you've seen Abraham? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Let's just read this one together. Verse 58. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily. When you know who he is, you're rich. When you know who he is, you're, you're rich. And so remember who he's talking to when he says Abraham's bosom. Boy, they don't like this. But they're, they're getting an earful and a head full of there's a paradise. And you're not ready. Ooh. Nobody wants to be told that, especially anybody who considers themselves religious. Very religious. See, there's a rich man, there's a poor man. And, and the bulk of the listeners, who did they associate more? They're all aspiring to be the rich man. They're all aspiring to the wealth in this scenario. Nobody wants to be a beggar with sores. And I reiterate, Christ is not teaching for you to be that. But he is teaching, even if you're that. If you honor God. There's, there's this place. There's this place in Australia I went. I've, I've maybe talked about it here before. I don't know. C can you throw this slide up for me? Help me. The picture of the gap. That's the gap. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful area. There's another picture. Show the next picture as well. The gap. That great that great area right there where the water comes in. I've walked that trail. I've been there. It's a beautiful, it's an amazing, amazing place. But when you get up that Y, there is a trail that goes one direction to one side and there's a trail that gets the direction to the other. And unless you are intentional, you, you will end up on one side. And if you want to get from this side of the gap to the other point all the way over there, a couple thousand yards away or whatever it is, then you've got to get on the right trail 
and you've got to backtrack and you've got to figure it out. I don't care who lied to you, who told you that this was the way to the north side. If you, if, if you end up on the wrong side of this thing, you've got to get on the right trail that leads you the right direction and follow the right signs. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and take my liberty on this Sunday morning and I wouldn't offend anybody in this room but I gotta do what I feel from the Lord to say in this house. I'm not sure who told you that you could get to heaven any other way but there's only one way to be saved. There's only one way to be saved. There's only one way to be saved. You've gotta believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I've got to seek after him. What's that mean? That means that when I begin to seek him, I've got to look into scripture. When I look into scripture, I recognize if I don't repent, if I don't turn and get on the right trail, and how many that have been walking with God for a while found out it still worked to stay Because there's a lot of people in the world that know shortcuts. You ever had a friend get you lost because they knew a... I got so lost with a buddy in the woods one time because they knew a shortcut. No one gets to preach any other gospel or any other doctrine that can get you to the same heaven. We do not believe in some new age spirituality, some, some fabricated truth and mess that would tell us you live your way, 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 and we'll all end up in the same place. No man cometh to the Father. What Jesus say? So what do we have to do? We repent. We get ourselves on the right trail. We have to do it. And what does the gospel teach us in Mark chapter 16? Verse 15 says, you got to tell everybody. Just preach the gospel to everybody. Why would you do this here on a Sunday morning? Everybody. Why? It's what this word says to do. So what is the outcome? He that believeth and is baptized, verse 16 says, shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Oh, that's harsh. We don't, we don't talk like that anymore. Well, thank you, Captain King James. Oh, wait, I meant thank you, Lord, for a clear gospel to preach the way and to preach the truth. Last Sunday, I gotta be honest, I like when they come to me and say, I think we have to order more baptismal stuff. I, Cause they just kept coming. Every time we thought they were done, musicians came up to me afterward and said, I'm sorry, I didn't know. I said, they just multiplied. They just, you know, where's Brother Kilman at? Is Bob Kilman in this room? Yell at me. Yesterday at your daddy's celebration, your daddy's funeral celebration in this room, we barely closed the text of the funeral and a man comes walking down the middle aisle said, I need to be baptized today. Need to be baptized. Where's Brother Vite? Stand up, Brother Vite. 
How many were at Spanish service last night? 90 people at Spanish service? Did you baptize anybody? Three baptized? And we've already got a few getting baptized? You hear me and hear me clear. If you've never been buried in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, I don't care who has ever told you any other way. I'm thankful for every, just stay standing because if not, you're gonna stand right back up. Stand up for a second. I'm not offended by anyone who's ever taught you anything. If you were sprinkled as a child, we're glad you're here. If you, were, if you ever had any other level of anything, that's great. But in this book, in this book, they only baptized one way. They took that person to a body of water and put them all the way under the water and they called the name of the Lord over them, which is the name of Jesus Christ. And it was for the remission, for the remission, the remission When you're buried, you're not who you were. You're not who you used to be. In that moment, in that moment, everything you were, everything you used to be. Man, I need some people that remember. You remember what it felt like when your hair was wet and, and your arms, and you lifted your hands in that baptismal. Let me, let me pull the crowd. Anybody, anybody in this room, that, anybody here that was ever baptized in a lake? Is there anybody here that was baptized in a lake? One, two, three, four. Man, several of you. Anybody here ever baptized in a river? One, two, three. Who is baptized in a baptismal tank? Standard. Anybody ever baptized in the ocean? Up here. Watch this. Anybody ever baptized in a bathtub? Yeah. Anybody ever baptized in a horse trough? One, two, three, four, five. You didn't think I'd say it. I said it. Anybody baptized in a swimming pool? Look at all the hands. If I didn't say it, yell where you were baptized. I thought I got them. Guess what? Horse tank to the ocean. River to the swimming pool. It's not the water. It's the name. It's not the water, it's the name. I was buried, I was buried, I was buried. So I come to preach to you, I'm done, I'm done. I don't want to, I'm done. I think he's telling me be done. If you've never been baptized, you ought to be baptized today. You ought to be buried in the name of Jesus Christ.
question. Because old Pete didn't stop. He said, repent. Got it. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for missions. Got it. And? <laughs> Your father Abraham, he rejoiced to see my dad. And he saw it. And he was glad. Why? Couldn't do this with just any lamb. <laughs> He was going to take a spotless lamb. That was going to wipe away. Not just roll back, but wipe away. And old Pete, ah, old Pete, he said, I repent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Be baptized. Woo! And repent. Good. Awesome. Incredible. You don't, you are not eligible for two or three without one. Okay? And the truth is it starts with faith and leads to repentance, okay? Sometimes we get tr people to try, try and get them to repent and they don't even believe yet. Make sure they believe. <laughs> Just say you're sorry. <laughs> believe in God, that's a good step. But then you repent. Woo. If you, when you really repent, that feels amazing. Usually it's accompanied by tears. You know, ugly cry. Don't care. Got snot. Don't care. Crying. Mascara running. Don't care. Right? Don't care. And then when you're... The way this place came unglued a few minutes ago when I started talking about baptism, because we remember from the bathtub to the... We remember... Boy, it was going on 40 years ago, but whoo, my God, I remember. I had never felt anything like it. But when you're filled with his spirit, there is nothing like the gift of the Holy Ghost. Every week, every week, people have been receiving the Holy Ghost here. The Spirit of God. People have just been receiving. At the weirdest times, as if God is supposed to be on our timetable. Like, you know, we would prefer for you to wait to the altar. To... I'm not. I wouldn't prefer that. I pray to God we have the kind of church that when they strike the first note, praise fills this house. Somebody lifts their hands and begins to magnify God. They're repenting in their heart. And the next thing you know, they're speaking in a heavenly. Anybody in this room glad you're filled with the Holy Ghost? You've been buried in his name, but you've been filled with his spirit. My, my. All right. Preach the rest of that some other time. Here. Here's the deal. If you're rich, 
be rich. But it can't save you. So make sure that your heart. If you're poor, quit looking at the rich guy's house. Let us not judge one amongst the two. It's not about your social status. It's about your spiritual condition. That's what Jesus was teaching. The rich man being in torment. We live in a world that has tried to calm the flames of torment. It doesn't matter because hell will be a party. No, it won't. There's one real popular advertisement that said, it doesn't matter because if you go to hell, most of your friends will be there anyway. The Bible says it's eternal damnation. It's the place where the worm dieth not. He's given them reference that the Pharisees and that the Jewish people of the day could understand like that smoldering heap right outside of town where they were taking the rubbish and they were burning it and he brings a torment and the rich man said, I'm tormented. Send Lazarus. Let him just tip his finger in the water. Let him just touch him. I'm tormented in these I'm reaching for somebody in this house. I'm reaching for you today. I'm telling you eternity is real. You say, well, I'll get right someday. This day is someday. Today is someday. And the rich man said, he said, send somebody to my brothers. Send them somebody from the, let them rise and let them go. I've got five brothers. They've got to know, they've got to know, they've got to know. Jesus begins to speak about Moses and the prophets and he makes a statement that is chilling even in March of 2023. If they won't believe Moses and the prophets, what was he telling them? If they won't believe this, if they won't believe this truth from a preacher, it wouldn't matter if even one was risen from the dead. So one last time to every member under the sound of my voice and anyone watching online right now, I compel you, I compel you, I speak to you right now. I tell you, repent of every sin. Get anything that's wrong out of your heart. Get anything wrong out of your mind. Here's what I feel. I want us to repent all over this house. Whether you've been saved for 50 years or it's your first service, I want everybody in the building to begin to pray. If you want to run down to this altar and begin to pray, it's open. If you want to kneel in your pew, that's fine. If you want to slide out into an aisle, that's fine. If you're in the balcony and you want to go to the middle altar up there, that's great. But wherever you're at, would you begin to repent? God, I believe you're giving me another chance. I've had negative thoughts. I've had disruptive behavior. 
I've had covetousness in my mind, in my heart. I've had wayward thinking. Come on, don't let anybody keep you from this moment. I want ministers and elders, prayer warriors, go ahead and begin working. There's something moving in this room right now. He ended Every praise singer repenting, every chorale member repenting, every musician repenting, every person on the main level repenting, every person in the balcony, God forgive me. God forgive me. Forgive me of every unrighteous. Forgive me if I haven't given you thanks for salvation in a while. Forgive me that I haven't thanked you for baptism in a while. Forgive me that I haven't given thanks that you're the spotless lamb that's changed my life and altered my eternity. Forgive me that I've got complacent. I repent of complacency. I repent of apathy. Forgive me, oh God, for thinking that it doesn't matter. Forgive me, oh God, for not being the witness I know you've called me to be. Forgive me, oh God, for not, not listening to what I know I'm supposed to be listening to or watching what I know. Forgive me for setting any evil thing before my eyes. Forgive me for allowing a lying tongue into my mouth. Forgive me of gossip. Forgive me for letting that seed of bitterness begin to take root. I really was hurt, but I let it get inside of me. Forgive me. Oh, I feel repentance. I want every mature member to lift your voice in this room right now and just make it a, a safe place, a safe place of repentance.